Hey, this is Will Putney, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire Deep Cuts. All right, everyone, Sonny back here on Interview Under Fire on another new episode of Deep Cuts, where we dive behind the stage pretty much on everything happening that doesn't entirely involve the actual band aspect of the scene, per se. Today, I have renowned producer engineer and musician and will putney who's the owner of graphic nature audio also plays in bands such as fit for an autopsy and end i have had the privilege to listen to a lot of the records that he has been a part of and he has engineered such as body count which has a grammy nominated album in there thy art is murder after the burial the ghost inside and there's so much more to that you know and see and hear how professional and hardworking he is at his job and his passion he has a very dedicated work ethic, and it's by no accident that he's produced and played in some of my favorite bands. Will, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. I'm going to ask a very important question, which has been overlooked the last six months. Sure. How are, how are you? <laughs> I oh, think it's a I'm very fine. Important yeah. question to ask, but uh, how is life right now? I think you're out in uh, Northeast, uh, yeah, New Jersey. We're, I'm in New Jersey. Um, I'm okay. Other people are probably having a little worse off than me right now. We've, um, we kind of got lucky when quarantine hit. It was, I was able to line up the build out for my new studio with downtime. So we basically quarantined ourselves here through the spring and uh, got to work on building a new recording studio and moved a lot of my records to later in the year. So, um, yeah, I didn't really stop at all, you know, um, and now we're kind of back up and running and I'm starting to work again. So, um, you know, could be worse <laughs> right now. Right now it's okay. Yeah, it could be worse. I think that's a very common phrase that a lot of people are saying at this point, just trying to make the best of the situation. Now, normally I'm interviewing people in bands and all my listeners know what they do. So I know this will be a little different than usual, considering you're also a musician yourself who plays in bands as well but I think it's important for music fans to be able to hear your story we all hear albums and go to shows but there are people like you who are crucial to the industry and most of us fans are pretty clueless on about how that stuff gets to us so for starters tell me about your job as a, a producer engineer just in a nutshell I, I want to step away from the musician aspect but how would you explain what a record producer does to someone who doesn't know a whole lot about the industry Sure. Um, I mean, basically, you know, there's the, there's a difference between engineering a record and producing a record. A lot of people don't kind of realize that they just think bands, uh, when it's time to make a record, they go to studio and then there's a guy who presses record and that's, that's all that the job is, you know, and, uh, that's part of what the job is, but uh, pr record producing is kind of globally a lot bigger than that. You know, it's, it's working on the actual music with bands. It's finding what's cool about the band and sort of designing like a, a plan for a record and, you know, all the little bits and details that that entails where, you know, a band comes in, they kind of, I'm fortunate where they can trust me um, with the direction or, or we have an idea together. And, and my job is to take what their where their songs are as a starting point and kind of get it to the best possible version it can be you know along with actually recording a record and finishing a master and stuff so um yeah it's really this kind of transformative whole process between you know the beginning the beginning stages of this is what the band wrote to the 
end of okay this is where we are now this is the record do you did you have any other behind the scenes jobs before because i know in another interview you talked about how you started this whole thing at syndicate you know and then machine and then you know the record producer was like kind of like the right next door when you first started off when you were much younger but how did you get into record producing in the first place yeah i i just had a lot of i mean i always tried to do stuff with music i was playing in bands i was like trying to book shows in New Jersey. I tried to run and do a record label at one point. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a kid, but I like had always had an interest in working with music uh, kind of as a living, you know, and for, I was, I was working at the syndicate in their like uh, radio marketing department or something, but they, yeah. yeah, they shared a building with machine, the record producer. And uh, he needed some, some help there when he had a kid and, uh, the guys at the syndicate knew my internship was kind of coming up and they knew I liked some of his records. So I wound up getting that job and that's kind of, I just kind of like really never left from that. That was kind of my introduction to recording studio life and producing records for a living. Um, up until then, I never really even considered it a job. I didn't even know it existed really. Cause like, like you said before, I didn't really understand what it even was, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then once I kind of figured out what that was, I knew it was like really for me. So I just wound up, you know, staying there, working with him, making records on my own. And it kind of just snowballed from that. Man, we, uh, so I started a record label about 10 years ago with my brothers. We didn't know what we were doing at first at all, you know, but of course that, over time we finally got the gist of things and, and then we found out, oh, this is actually a career. And it's, it's, it's a very hardworking career. You know, it's not something you can just, you know, learn off the bat. I don't think it's something you can teach someone. You have to actually learn under someone, which, you know, in syndicate, you had that experience and that, you know, that growth that you actually learned from that. It's been a real interesting time for you, especially these last couple of months, like you just mentioned, everything you're doing. You know, if there are words to describe the nature of things are in, what are you doing to make the most of this current situation as far as, you know, we talk about the pandemic, you know, COVID, moving albums, back you know changing the schedule and all that in between yeah i feel like um we're definitely sitting on a lot of records right now i know um i've made plenty of records that are done and it just, we're just now everyone's just waiting to see when touring's gonna start again but yeah. um you know i can't get too deep into what i've been doing with particular bands but there's a lot of like smaller scale releases happening Bands are doing more singles, more EPs, that kind of thing, where it's like, okay, we probably shouldn't do a whole record right now because we can't go on tour, but let's stay active. Let's do something. So, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like smaller, more one-off style projects that I've been kind of working through um, where I think bands just want to stay busy. You know, everyone's home, everybody's writing music right now, but it's not a great time to really release an album and do nothing with it. So it's sort of filling in the blanks until, everything kind of resets and bands are able to tour again. Does this pandemic, now that you're home, does it open up new things for you personally and professionally that you may have not noticed before about yourself? Um, well, a lot of, I had to get used to being home pretty much permanently because we've okay. moved this. We're in the process of moving all my, all the studio stuff to one location where I'll live and work and everything too. So it was like, it kind of fell in line with what the plan was going to be anyway. So it wasn't too strange. I mean, it's, it's weirder for my wife probably because she commuted in New York city every day. So now she's around studio shit every day, you know? Um, 
which is cool. It was just adjusting yeah. to that. Like, oh, you're going to see bands every day now because you don't get to leave anymore. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's been like, I mean, it's pretty much business as usual now. I mean, uh, we've been fortunate enough to stay pretty busy throughout all this. And I was able to juggle some schedule stuff so that, yeah, I haven't really stopped making records or working with bands, even if it's remotely, we're, we're, we're still just moving like it's business as usual. Speaking of business as usual, and you've seen this the last six months, you know, live streaming, that's been a very popular topic of discussion on my show as of late. And I wanted to ask you this, you know, I, I think Code Orange was one of the first bands to do it. I don't know if you saw this. They did that empty uh, show at that, at that uh, you know, at that live venue. And then they did that. They streamed it for the fans. I think two days right after the pandemic was announced up in Pittsburgh, Code Orange was one of the first bands to do it. And a lot of bands, you know, kind of just caught on to that. And I think making the best of the situation is what they're doing. But I wanted to ask you, having all the experiences that you've been in, do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now, is that going to affect the touring musician business after all this is over? Um, you know, do you still see bands doing this even after COVID ends? Um, I mean, the live stream stuff is fun if it's done right. And uh, if you like a band and they put a cool production together, um, it's fun to watch for the fans, you know? Yeah. I uh, definitely am more of a live show guy. And I'm sure a lot of people are, especially with heavy music. Uh, it loses something when you have to watch it through a screen, no matter how much production you throw at it or how cool the cameras look. It's still, you know, halfway there. So I'm sure once touring starts up and it's safe that shows will probably be better than ever because people will just be excited to go to a show again you know um i'm looking forward to once it kind of gets through its initial weird phase and everyone has to make sure that things are under control and that the virus isn't going to spread once we're like all right we're good now everything's back to normal as far as touring goes uh i'm looking forward to seeing shows again i'm sure a lot of people are so i think it's going to be great once touring starts again it's just when the hell is that going to happen you know yeah another thing that's also when it comes to booking shows is all these venues that are getting shut down you know a very popular venue here in dallas is actually fit played there uh in november for the you know, sea of tragic beast tour that got shut down sure. and 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 you know we're seeing that all across the nation another thing is you know the saturation of the market like how much new music are we going to get after you know, COVID ends, you know, cause you're going to, some bands will be lucky. Some bands won't when it comes to booking shows at the same time. And I think that's a very hard part as a producer. Have you learned any new practices that you can maybe take with you into the post COVID world? Is that, is that something that maybe you have discovered or still yet to find out? Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really change my job. We, I have worked with bands remotely for years anyway, you know, yeah. um, we've already kind of created solutions on how we could adapt to being far away from an artist when it comes to like working with them. I mean, a, a lot of pretty much all the mixing I do is remotely, you know, the band's not with me. So it's like, we have good ways of sharing files and communicating and stuff where it doesn't, um, require like a new skill set in in this time you know so for me like i kind of just do what i normally do um it's just you know wear a mask when you go to the store <laughs> it's kind of just being <laughs> safe just being a little more careful with the outside world but yeah i haven't really um i don't really need to come up with a new skill set for how to navigate what's going on right now 
you know, a set, well, will you be able to pick? So nothing changed for you technically as a producer, because you have that convenience to be at home and still be able to work on the things that you want to do. Correct. Yeah. You know, aside from all that, you, you know, we did mention, you know, you do play in a couple of bands such as fit for an autopsy and, and, and who both have released some beast of a records in the last year with splinters of an ever-changing face and sea of tragic beasts. Is there a level of convenience or comfortability for you in the studio knowing that you have that freedom to establish your sound the way you want it to? Or does something like that even matter? Yeah, I mean, it's great. It makes making those records really fun for me because I uh, don't feel really any pressure. I'm not in an, an uncomfortable environment when I write music or record that stuff. So it's it's a really like relaxed and fun process now. I used to stress out about it more um, because I thought, oh, I record for a living, so people are gonna judge me harder on these types of records because they're my bands and stuff. But um, yeah, I just don't really care any, anymore and kind of just do whatever I want and have fun with those records, you know? Yeah, and man, uh, and your discography, like it's like it's, it's never ending on now, it's just kind of just second nature to you. What about the touring life? How was that for you? Did you do that a lot before you got into record producing? Is this something that you still do? And- I didn't tour that much because um, my produce, producing records and the band kind of becoming a full-time touring band kind of started around the same time. So I had only done a little bit of touring with the band before we kind of hit this wall where all of a sudden Fit was going to go full-time. And then I was also pretty much full-time just making records then. And and it was earlier on in the band's career where we had to figure out a way to make that work, you know, but um, yeah. So I had been out there for a very brief amount of time before I realized like, Oh wow, the producer things happened. And it was kind of more what I really wanted to do as a career, you know? Yeah. Um, but with with N, because it is so part-time, we do, everybody in the band does a touring, you know, there's no extra guy or filling situation like what, like it was with Fit initially. So um, we had planned on doing a good amount of touring this year, but um, obviously that's not happening now, but we're yeah. looking forward to doing it again, maybe next year or whenever, you know, touring starts again. Do you miss the touring life? Uh, sometimes. It's not... It's fun, yeah, but then it, it, it's got its pros and cons. I mean, I'm sure you could talk to any dude in a band and they love it and it's the best thing, but they also hate it. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's always two sides to that one. But uh, yeah, I don't really, you know, it, I uh, am not really like a party guy anymore like I was when I was younger. I don't like drink or do drugs or anything anymore. So I'm not sure how much fun I'd have on tour now in that <laughs> sense, but. I mean, I, lo- I love the dudes in both my bands, and I'm sure I'd have a blast if I was on tour with those guys. I just unfortunately can't be at the moment. You know, I interviewed, uh, so when I interviewed Fit for an Autopsy, I, 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 uh, I sat with Joe and Pat last November, and they talked about how convenient it is for them to have someone like you, you know, in the studio while they're on the road. It's just, it kind of just kills, with, kills birds with two stones. Kills two birds with one stone. That's what I meant to say. But they were talking about just the level of convenience for them, and I think that's that's uh, a lot of bands. I don't know if they have that convenience, and it seems like you guys have. And it, you guys started pretty much from the ground up because Fit for an Autopsy was kind of just a side project, and it turned into like a full time gig. And same thing with End. You know, it, I know it's like a side project also in, within itself, and see how long you guys can actually go with that. As far as the metal scene 
you know, with those bands that are involved in, what are some of the biggest changes you have seen from your experience as far as metal? Because Fit for an Autopsy and you guys are bringing in so many different fans of, you know, many generations. Um, as far as the change in the scene? Yeah, if you change um, or progress, just if it looks any different from when you first started playing music. Uh, sure. I mean, it's there's definitely more bands now, which is... Uh, good and bad you know but uh i think it's it's become really easy to like exist as a band especially with the internet and stuff you don't really have to do much you can record a song at home on your laptop you could have your buddy make a good looking music video you can put it up online and market it and have all these social media pages and you could appear to be this band you know out of thin air for basically no money um so it's cool because it's given younger talented kids who don't you know know have any industry connections or or know people it's kind of given them a leg up uh to get their music out there and it sort of lets really good music rise to the top because if it's a really good song or a really good band organically people just find it and share it and stuff so it's created lanes for a lot of new music from younger bands. Uh, so I feel like you see a lot more young bands now too than, you know, when we first got into this scene, you just didn't know about as many bands, you know, but um, I think it also oversaturates stuff too. So in the yeah. same sentence, there's just a lot of shit bands now that you have to like weed through and it could get, you know, somebody like me who like works with bands for a living. I'm constantly looking for the next thing that's going to be cool or my next favorite band or the young band that I think is going to break out. Uh, And it's just harder sometimes to find new stuff that excites you because you have to weed through so much crap too. So I feel like, you know, it's, um, it's now just this ocean of tons of bands, you know, and, and that's good and bad for me, but that's definitely something that I've noticed that's wildly different than when I first started playing music. I knew every band. I was able to hear every metal or hardcore band. And, you know, I, 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 I basically, I felt like I knew every band and I had made, and I could decide if I like this one or not, you know, I didn't miss anything. And now I feel like you have to like try and do all this digging and stuff to find new stuff. So it's uh yeah, it's just a different time. I'm glad there's a lot of bands though. When you look for a band, does uh, does age have something to do with it? Because I know a lot of the there are a lot of these younger bands who are still trying to get in the scene, but then you have bands like, you know, where you're at. You know, hardcore is like a popular thing. You know, talking about Agnostic Front, Madball, Cro-Mags, Sick of It All, all those bands out there. They're still doing what they're doing. But do you find it challenging now that you know they've been around for so long, where you have to now weed through those, you know? like the younger generation bands trying to break into the scene, trying to, re- they're not trying to reinvent the genre, I guess, but just trying to continue that, I guess, kind of just passing the torch on. Is that challenging yeah, I mean, now? I've worked with bands, old bands and young bands, you know, I don't really have, I don't really have a target, I guess, but um, yeah, if it's good, it's good. You know, I don't think, um, I don't think it's created any other challenges or I've had no problem um you know, working with 60 year olds and 20 year olds. So I feel like, you know, if I, if I like the music or if there's something that's new, that sound, you know, that I want to work with, you know, age isn't really a factor. For yourself, have your aspirations as a person or professional, have they changed or evolved since you first started in the industry? Do you see things differently now? 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything about anything when I started, you know, even if I thought I did, uh, you know, it's, it, I think making records is a constantly um, evolving thing where, you know, every time I do a record, I figure something out or learn something. And it's just this endless, you know, forward cycle to try to improve and make cooler records and get better at songwriting. And um, the cool thing about the job is that challenge is kind of always there. You're always trying to outdo what you did before, you know, especially when you work with the same bands over years too. Um, it becomes more of like, okay, can we make a better record than the last one? And then you try to do that again and then you do it again, you know? So um, yeah, it's this kind of never ending challenge to try to do better than you had in the past. Um, and it's fun, you know, because yeah. it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you, you know, learning and, experimenting and trying new things and i feel like um yeah there's not a lot of jobs where you're constantly in a position to outdo yourself all the time you know there's no monotony there's less monotony to it than other stuff and i think it's part of why it keeps me interested in it well if you weren't involved in the music industry what would you be doing right now uh that's a good question right now um well i went to school for something completely unrelated to music. So if I wasn't producing records, I'd probably be working in some bioengineering style nerd science. Lab Same here. That was <laughs> I my can't tell you how much I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. That was my career path before, before all this. Um, and if these opportunities didn't show up, I probably just would have been down that road more, you know, I was working at like Lysol before, you know, wow. I started working at, that was my last job before I started working at the studio. So, um, yeah, I would have went a different way, probably, you know, right now, if you ask me that, I'd probably work for a nonprofit, um, or try to do, you know, try to get involved with animal rescue stuff or I'd, awesome. I'd probably have a different opinion right now. Um, because I don't ever, I'll never work for any kind of bullshit corporate, corporate job. I think it's not for me, you know? at this point in my life, I've realized what I would want to do with myself that would make me happy and that wouldn't be it. So who knows? I couldn't tell you. Glad I have this job though. Yeah. I'm glad you had this job. Hey, you're, you're uh, manufacturing, you know, freaking uh, Grammy nominated albums. So I think that's easy, you know, just put that in the bag and just call it right there. What's the most yeah. rewarding part of your job from a record producer? Cause we talked about so many things about just the, the hard work behind the scenes about finding a band and finding the sound of what direction you want to go with this band, what direction you want to go with that band for you personally, what's the most rewarding part of it? Um, probably when we have, when we have an idea for a record and we get it right and it connects right, you know, it's been a lot, there's been a few scenarios where we go into a record knowing we want to accomplish certain things or we want to have the music go a certain direction. And when people sort of, take notice to what we did and it's met with like positive response. I think that's just the best part to know, like that work paid off because we were able to achieve what we wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, seeing the, seeing the records in a live environment is always fun because you get like a firsthand, you get to witness it all work, you know? And that's kind of like, that's a fun part of the job too. I guess it'd be like a humbling experience just knowing that your work is out there. Like, yeah, anytime, anytime I do something like work wise that I know that someone's like appreciating, I kind of just, I, I don't know. I don't know about you. I keep quiet, you know, you know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, that's, this is what I did. 
this is what I want to do. This is what, you know, what I think it is. And I don't know when it, when it comes to that, like, how do you react to when someone says, man, Will, you did one of the best albums ever, you know, I'm one of them, you know, how, how do you respond to that? Just I mean, all that positive outlook. Say thank you. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, uh, I don't really, um, I'm not like a pat yourself on the back kind of guy. I don't really even talk about what I do very, very much unless I'm asked about it, you know, but I, I, um, I just think, um, you know, being humble and just doing your job and not pretending that you're better than you actually are. You know, for me, I don't like, uh, it because this is like a field where I feel like you're you're always improving and getting better being cockier having like a weird you know being a little too out there with all your success uh is a bit off-putting to me when anybody does it it's yeah of course gross to me <laughs> you know so i i don't know i just try to you know i i like getting into conversations about the production stuff i do and when kids are interested in it i'm definitely happy to talk to them about it and everything but i don't know i don't like uh like to gloat about records, I guess, you know. That's okay. You know, I, there's no right or wrong answer to this because, you know, you you are the, you know, there's a, a method to what you do and that's just showing dedication to your craft, just showing how impressive your catalog is. I, I don't know if you can tell me this. Is there, what's the most challenging record you've worked on? I don't know if you've even been asked this question when you, just at the top of your head, when it comes to a challenging record, it's like, oh man, I got to get through this barrier or, you know, just I can't get this part. That's or... tough. They're all they're all hard in different ways. So it's hard to answer that. Even yeah, when okay. like the records are even when the band is awesome and great and performances are awesome, it's still hard because then we're challenged to we're working on something else. Well, how do we make this song better? Or how does this mix get better? Or then you have the a band that just has bad songs and it's like, okay, now there's this whole mountain to climb where we have to fix all these problems and you know, every record has their own challenges. To me, they all don't, none, not of any single one feels hot, like more challenging, I guess, because they're mm -hmm. all hard, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't really have too many records that are easy, you know? Um, that's that's like, a good thing, I think. Yeah, I think it's more rare that I'm like, oh, I don't do anything. This is great. I'm just going to coast through this. You know, I think... Um, records that should be could be easy we figure out a way to make it harder to make somehow <laughs> because it's going to make it better in the end so i don't really have one because anyone i think of i'm like oh yeah but then there's that oh uh, yeah but then we had to do you know so every every record's hard <laughs> about equally hard so i know two records that are very important to you is lamb of god sacrament is one of the first albums you actually saw that when it was engineered when it first came out I think it was at Syndicate when you, it was Syndicate or Machine when you first saw that record be produced. Was was it? Is that? Yeah, did I get the story right about that? Yeah, I I was a big Lamb of God fan, and that's like what sold me on trying to go work with Machine because I realized, oh, the guy who's doing Lamb of God records is right across the hall, you know. And uh, yeah, I was like, that was at the time I I was really into that band, and I was like, oh, this would be a really fun. Uh, this job would be really fun because I really like the music getting made here, you know? So that yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it's, it's not like my, it's not my like sentimental. I love this lamb. It's not my favorite lamb of God record, you know, to be honest, because that wasn't my introduction to the band. I feel like I always like the records where I discover the bands. And by that time I was already a huge yeah, fan, good. That's it definitely a great was answer. my introduction to machine. 
and it sold me on the idea of like oh, i want to work under a guy like this because that record sounds awesome and um it was like if i could learn how to do this, this would be, i could just do this forever you know and then turmoil is the process of is a record that's very important to you too i feel like i don't i don't i think in another interview you also said that album kind of serves as a stamp to how you want to produce your records did i is that correct? Uh, I don't know about how I produce records, but that was like, as a kid, it was one of the first hardcore records I heard where I actually noticed that it sounded better than everything else I was listening to, you know? And it yeah. was like maybe one of the first things that maybe pay attention to recording heavy music, you know? At that time, I had just been kind of numb to it and I was just listening to bands and all, all in you know new jersey new york and pa hardcore bands yeah area. and everybody's I, I never even really paid attention to recordings and then i heard this turmoil record i'm like what how does this sound like this you know and it was like probably like the first seed that ever got planted where i like all of a sudden i'm aware of recording <laughs> heavy music you know <laughs> so plus i love that record and you know steve evitz who's now a buddy is like you know back in New Jersey in that in the heyday of late 90s hardcore and metal stuff he was just the king around here everybody's local band's dream was to go to Trax East and make a record with him and stuff so but yeah it's cool it was cool to meet him later in life you know that's pretty awesome you know when you mentioned that album I, I had to of course at that time I didn't hear it but when I heard it I was like okay I have to ask him this question but that's that's awesome how it kind of just traces back to your roots on how you brought to where you are at this point in your life what advice would you have someone for you know wanting to follow in your footsteps okay it's not like okay i want to be a record producer i i don't think you can just decide on that i don't know i don't know if you can decide on that something that when you're like 16 or 17 but you know what advice would you have if i mean someone... i guess you can because I mean, yeah <laughs> it is the good thing the cool thing about this job is it's if you were you know you shouldn't lie to yourself if you are a musical person and have an ear and can pick some stuff out and can write a song, then, you know, this is definitely a, could be a job for you, but you have to be honest with yourself if you're able to do it and able to hang with all the hours that it takes. And, you know, not, it, there's no like halfway in on this kind of job. You just do this or not. You know, I think the guys who, it's very rare that you have a dude who can like, you know, have another job and be like, Oh, I produce on the side. Like that guy usually doesn't get anywhere, you know, with, with yeah. his, it, it's like a muscle that if you don't exercise it every day, it kind of goes away, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like, you can't really be half in if you're going to do this as a career, you just kind of have to at some point go for it or not, you know? And, um, uh, I would, you know, the best advice I give a lot of people when people ask me, I'd say find somebody whose records you like and learn from that. However, that is, you know, whether you work under them as an intern or you go spend some time at their studio or like if they have any kind of online stuff, like just learn from the people whose records you like. Cause it's like the most, it's the easiest way to apply, learn techniques and apply them in a way where you're able to, make the kind of records that you want to make you know if you don't know what to do or where to go you should just look to the people that make um the records you like you know yeah uh well we covered pretty much everything from head to toe from your just your producing experience to musician this is the last part of the interview this is actually okay. my favorite part okay um so i did this with pat a couple times and uh 
He's gotten some of them wrong, some of them right. I want to see if you know your own songs. Are you up to that challenge? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I think I know my own song. So know. what I did, so this is what I call the hot seat. Hot seat. So what I'm going to do, so I, I handpicked a couple, you know, Fit for an Autopsy and End songs. I didn't okay. pick all of them, I promise. Uh, so I just picked a few handful. The same ones, I, I kind of asked Pat, and he got some of them wrong. So that was actually pretty uh, hilarious to see, but Pat's That's great. I, lo I love Pat. Um, so we're just going to go in random order, okay? I'm going to read a lyric, and you just tell me what song, you know, you think it is. <laughs> okay. Okay? Okay. All right. I'm going to – I think I'm going to start you off easy, though. Hung by a white flag, watching yourself as you spin in shards of glass, sticking out of every limb, remove your mask. That would be – That would be Hesitation Wounds by Ant. Pariah. Oh, yeah, it's Pariah. God damn it. <laughs> it's the so, same so part much, in both so songs. Much, so much for starting off easy. <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to be easy. Okay. What's funny is those parts are so similar, and we've discussed yeah. so many times, and we're like, ah, it just worked. Fuck it. And Hold on. Is, I wonder if that's so good. I still confuse those two parts. If okay. we play that song live, I guarantee you I'm going to play the other one if I accidentally <laughs> Okay, this will. Uh, okay, this. Okay, I hope you get this one. Pits of devils send whispers through soil. All life is fleeting. Sickened servants, the common extinction of irrational beings. Okay, that would be fear tomorrow. Yeah, the hat you're wearing. You guys should probably get that one. Yeah, that's our new single. But yes. Yeah. All right. Born of this soil. I'm gonna throw it back now. Born right. of this soil, once famous for her beauty, let a rotting corpse. Here lies our father. That would be the jackal. Children of the corn syrup. God, I'm bad but, at this. But, but that's good. That just shows how impressive your catalog is. <laughs> okay. You think, oh yeah, I think that, okay, so that's. That's yeah, off of Hellbound. That's a Hellbound one. Yeah. yeah. 2013, I don't know if that's considering throw it back. Yeah. That's less than 10 years. Yeah, me okay. and Nate split a lot of lyrics on that one and that's one he wrote. That's why I didn't know what song was it. <laughs> so here's a song that I think is very important. Uh, I, I think as far as your legacy, peace is merely a gift for the privileged, safeguarded from the pain. This indifference is paid in blood. All hands are stained. Okay, that's heads will hang. Yeah. I know so, the ones, I think I know the ones I write. Yeah. So, so this this song, I so Corey was on the show, Corey from Trivium. I know you guys are really good buds with those guys. He was telling me this is the song that got you guys together as far as, you know, because he heard the song in Sirius one time and he he called Matt, Matt Heafy, and he's like, hey, check out this song. And then everything kind of just is history from there because that's when Matt reached out to you guys. At least that's what I know. That's what he told me. I don't know if you know this story, but Heads Will Hang pretty much kind of just started that relationship. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I know Matt, you know, Trivium has been awesome to fit. Um, yeah. They don't have to be. They're a very big fan, but they, um, they took a liking to us and I never knew what was the cause of it, but um, over the past couple of years now, I mean, they've taken us on tour and they've been flying the flag for our band for, for a while, pretty hard. So yeah, we love those guys. It was, it's awesome to see. Uh, it's, it's rarer nowadays that big bands come down and support smaller band metal bands the way that they do, you know, and I think 
Matt and Corey and all those guys have, are just fucking awesome. You know, exactly. but I didn't know that yeah. that was the one that did it, so that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really cool because, you know, case in point, I first discovered you guys when they were doing the headlining tour for Sin of the, uh, the Sin of the Sentence back in 2017. I think that's when it came out. You guys, I think you guys were the opening band, and I came right when you guys were playing, and you guys blew me the fuck away, you know? And then you guys came again with Trivium that following summer, and you know, you, I don't know if you were there. I think you were you were doing your thing over, you know, as far as record producing. Yeah, yeah. You guys were, but uh, Fit came back with Trivium, and I just love the relationship that you guys have as bands. You guys just support each other on social media, and then Pat had so many great things to say about you know Matt and just the relationship that he has with them. But I, I hope this keeps going. I, I love it when bands support each other, and you just kind of just said it right there how it. And I love the story that we just talked about how it kind of just started. But yeah, heads will hang. That's what Corey told me. And I think it's a really cool thing. And uh, I'm glad you know about that now. Yeah, there it is. I'll All right. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, this song, I think it's going to it's gonna scratch one. Uh, you alone have been led to believe in certain ways. And I am fortright in my deliverance of pain. I am calling out to you who cannot hear. I sift through the sands of man to end the work of demons. You absolutely hate this song. Oh, well, that, that's wrath, isn't it? God damn it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I if there's something, you, this, if this something you don't like very much, I figured you would probably. Oh, wait, it's fine. <laughs> this song's fine, but it's. Yeah. I love this song personally, actually. I read this to Pat, and he, he I, I don't know if he got the got the song or not. He hates it, too. I told him, man, this is a great song. I hope you guys sometime down the line play this live. Just, of course, I'm just one fan in the midst of a million, but. We, we will. <laughs> don't worry about it. No, we, uh, it's cool. I had a falling out with a guy who sings some of my songs. Probably why I hate it more than anything. Anyway. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm glad we got that. Um, okay. Hide me from, we got two more. Okay. Hide me from the heaven in your chest. Disguise myself as all I am to be. Wrapped in impure images to keep me clean. Love that line. Evening Arms? Yep. Got it. Great song. That might good be, stuff. that might be my favorite one off that record. Yeah, Brendan's good at his job. Yeah. Oh yeah. All you guys are. And it's a pleasure to work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why do my sins circle like locusts around me, searching for a way back in? This would be. What do we end up calling that song? This song almost. Working titles. Um, this song almost ended up not making. That's true. What is the last goddamn song called? Um, wow, you already can't yeah. tell me. Hold on. You already know it. You already know it. You just, just waiting for it. Pat loves the song. This is actually his favorite song. It ended up being his favorite dreams. Song. Yeah, there it is. He told me he hated. I, I don't know if he hated the song at first, but it wasn't. He wasn't the biggest fan of it, and it turned out to be his favorite song. Yeah, that song went through a couple versions. We did. Uh, so we had a guest vocalist in mind to sing really? the verses of that song, and I love. It's one of my favorite singers. Uh, but. Uh, we decided it was our first nuclear blast record and we wanted to just do this record with just us. You know, we had always had t- like a, several guest vocalists on records. Of course. And the more we had talked about it, we're like, let's just do a record with just Joe and not ask a million people and make it a thing and some marketing trick and all this bullshit. So that uh, originally was written for somebody else. And then I was like, all right, well, I think I'll just do this thing with Joe the same way I was going to do with this other guy. And we didn't like it. 
you know, it wasn't as, as soon as it got done, I just had this like weird feeling about it. And we sat on it for a minute and then it was just like, yeah, this sucks. Like, it's just not the same. The part that it sounded like Joe trying to be somebody else, you know? So then, then we rewrote a nice piece of the song and where it landed, everybody likes now, you know? So, but yeah, that thing went through some phases, you know? Man, that's, I didn't even know that you guys were even considering somebody else because Joe knocked it out of the park. I, I first heard that song and it's one of those songs where it, the melody kind of sticks with you at the first time you hear it. And, you know, I let it sit after a couple of days and it ended up being actually my favorite song too, ironically enough. And then, of course, I talked to Joe a few days later and he was talking about how it was just, you were, you were the main benefit, you know, like you were the main person who like pushed him to get to where he's at. And Joe was really appreciative of you and, they love how challenging Will Putney is when it comes to recording an album. And, yeah. you know, there it's, you it, I, again, you got to stay humble, of course. <laughs> I know that's I important to you. I just to do good. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, just, just be good. And then, you know. Yeah. Problem. And then go yeah, from there. Yeah, no, and Joe's done. I mean, me and Joe, like, I feel like from when I first started working with him, the where he is now, he's just gotten so much better, too. So, oh, definitely. Yeah it's cool it's it's cool and i mean a lot of it's him doing his own work and practice too but every time we go to record he has some new trick or he's like got more stamina or you know he's just constantly improving which is awesome you know i'm looking forward to doing another one yeah i'm looking forward to doing another one you know i'm just hearing hearing you guys just do another record you know of course we'll see after all this is over man will uh we've covered again we've covered everything is there any last like shout outs, anything new you're working on that you'd like for my fans to just maybe know about or just any plugs that you have before we finish things off here? When is this airing? So I can know this what is, I'm going to talk about. This is going to be airing, let's say a week from now at most. Okay. Um, well, I can't give you any new music yet. Of course, of course. Hell knows when stuff's coming out. Um, I don't know. I've got a lot of guitar software out that I'm pretty excited about. So if you um, head over to the STL Tones um where there's a whole bunch of if you play guitar or record and it, or just write with a computer um i've got a lot of the kind of tones i use for my records and stuff in this plug-in suite that it, you can pick up and i think they've been running sales on and off over the past month or two so um stltones.com check out some of my guitar software because i'm having a lot of fun in, in quarantine and maybe you can too <laughs> awesome man uh man everyone this is will putney from Fit for an autopsy and end. And you're still a graphic nature audio, right? It's still yep. your thing, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, STL Tones, you know, the fans who are listening, you know, just uh, search that up and, you know, support Will any way you can, you know, buy the records that he's he's produced and just go to the shows whenever, you know, all this is over. You know, hopefully we'll see Will in person because, you know, he doesn't usually go on the road. <laughs> but yeah, well, and we'll do ends gonna tour the whole u.s once we can so yeah you wherever you live around here i'll probably be near you at some point man if that happens you know if you guys do come to dallas anytime you know when it comes to the uh the touring schedule whenever that's out let's do another interview with you and the boys over at end i think that'll be cool of course we sure. usually do these in person but i think that'd be a really cool thing to do but um well man thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh please stay safe out there and I can't wait for to hear your next record, bro. You stay safe, all right? I appreciate all right? it, man. Thank you for taking time to chat. <laughs>